Thank you. With one hand, I carried it with one hand just so to sort of make sure that was pointed out. Justin, thank you. Thank you for all the work that you do with Bloom. It is so good to see you so passionate and so alive. Thank you. And to our entire board at Bloom, thank you for serving. And for all of you who volunteer, thank you. You are a, a, a breath of fresh air. You are ice cold water on a hot day for so many people. You'll have to excuse me, I'm a little overcome still from our time in worship. In heaven, the angels sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Constantly flying around, worshiping God. Worship in heaven, I'll bet it has lights streaming from the presence of God, lights in colors that we have never experienced before. I'll bet when there's music in heaven, there, there are more than six chords. <laughs> we have this finite amount of chords here, but I'll bet there are an eternal amount of chords. It'll be beautiful. It'll be wonderful. And here we are able to gather together and to experience a shadow of what heaven will be like. A shadow of what's to come. A taste, a little piece of heaven on earth. And it's beautiful, it's beautiful to be with you, it's beautiful to commune with one another. Today we're going to be talking about Sabbath. And uh, to our tech ninja in the back, we're going to be skipping some of that first part. And we're going to be starting with Sabbath is perfect. Sabbath is perfect. It is a perfect idea. We were just talking about heaven. We were exalting him. And before, before sin entered the world, there was Sabbath. This is how we can know the things that are perfect and the things that are not. Things that were perfect were definitely there in the beginning. And they will be there. They will remain. Faith, hope, and love, these things will remain in the end. And we see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Before sin entered, there was God and he was resting. He was content with the work that he had done the previous six days. And he delighted in it. He was satisfied. And on the sixth day, he had made mankind in his 
image. And on their very first full day of life was Sabbath. Before they did anything, they stopped and they rested and they delighted and they worshiped God and they sat back in curiosity and wonder and in awe. There was Sabbath. Because into the very image of man, or in the image of God in man, was this rhythm, this need that was put in place for this kind of Sabbath. We also can know that Sabbath rest is a perfect idea, a heavenly idea, because we see it in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. It says this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So we see this idea of Sabbath rest in the beginning, and we see this idea of Sabbath rest being for the people of God in the end. It's, it's a way of describing shalom. It's a way of describing heaven. It's a, it, the new earth. It's a way of describing perfection in eternity, a Sabbath rest. So we know that this idea is perfect, and here we are sandwiched in between perfection past and perfection future in an imperfect period of time on earth. And imperfect, imperfection when it clashes with perfection just looks and feels a little bit different. Again, the thought of worshiping eternally and the beauty, the glory of God, we experience just a taste of that now. And that taste is mixed with distraction and envy and depression and anxiety and thoughts about everything we have to do later today. And sandwiched in between the perfect past and the perfect future, here we are. We are given this day. We are made in the image of God. We have this need and this desire for true Sabbath rest. We have this desire for a rhythm that one 24-hour period a week, we would stop, rest, delight, and worship. It is in us, deep within us oftentimes underneath the layers of hurry and busy and anxiety. But it's there. And sandwiched in between, God is calling us to experience Sabbath rest now. We won't experience the fullness. We won't experience this in eternal, perfect idea of Sabbath, but we will experience tastes of it, pieces of it. 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. Paul writes this. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. See, Paul here is trying to express that the perfect is, is trying to be understood in an imperfect way, in an imperfect context. It is a shadow of what is to come. It is a shadow of the reality that we have begun to find in Christ here and now, the already but not yet. And he says this, don't, don't judge others. Don't, don't judge others by the way they practice Sabbath or maybe even by the day that they practice Sabbath. If you do, you are becoming like a Pharisee who developed all kinds of rules around Sabbath. 39 rules in total. That's not true. There were 39 categories about what work was. Underneath the, 30, the 39 categories were subcategories about each of those things. And there were thousands of rules that followed about how you can and cannot act on Sabbath. This was the Pharisees' way of trying to create a, a, a box, a, a way to say this is what Sabbath is. And if you live according to this, you'll be fine. They're trying to take this perfect idea and build it into a human context so that people can follow it. And the interesting thing that happened is that it led to two things. And if you read through the stories of Jesus confronting the Pharisees on Sabbath while he's healing, you'll find two things that this led to. A, it led to judgment and anger from the Pharisees. B, this is one and two. One, it led to judgment and anger by the Pharisees. <laughs> two, it led to shame in the people, never measuring up. Paul says, don't judge. The, the, Sabbath, the Sabbath is meant by God to be life-giving to allow us to, to, to experience life to the full, to experience his grace, to experience the wonder of God. Don't, don't put it in a box and then judge and fill it with things that are life-taking, like anger and shame. But here we are. 
Here we are in the middle. How do we practice this command? You see, Sabbath is a practice. That is true. It is a discipline. Maybe you hear the word spiritual discipline and we refer to things like uh, uh, prayer or being in the scripture or fellowship or corporate worship. All of these things are disciplines and practices. Sabbath is also a practice. But interestingly enough, Sabbath is the only practice that was named as one one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, as John Mark Comer points out in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, the text about Sabbath in the Ten Commandments takes up 37% of the text in all of the Ten Commandments. And this command has some pretty stiff competition. Not that they're really in competition with each other, but it's right up there with things like, thou shall have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't work. Don't make your animals work. Don't make your servants work. Don't make your kids work. Don't work. Observe it. Why? Because God himself on the seventh day rested. So, is Sabbath a command still in New Testament times? Is it a practice? I'm going to say this. I think it's a moot point. I hope, I hope that we can become so hungry for the living God so hungry for his love, so hungry to see him move in our lives, in our families' lives, in the lives of those around us, so hungry for his glory that we don't even concern ourselves with whether or not it's a command. We so desperately long for a day of Sabbath to be renewed, to be filled, to experience life abundantly that we just simply see Sabbath as a gift, as a wonderful way to commune with God. And so the last thing I want to do today is to put a new yoke upon you that makes you feel like you have to live Sabbath a certain way. Jesus said this, He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Take his yoke upon you. What I'm hoping will happen today is that you are led to the foot of the cross and that you can commune with Jesus himself, the one who is Lord of the Sabbath. Go directly to him. And I'm hoping that in his presence, you can ask questions like, Lord, how can I experience life to the full here? 
how can I practice Sabbath in my context as a young mother with children that they have, they have mouths and stomachs and they need to be fed and they fall and they hurt themselves? Or as a soccer mom or soccer dad who has to run the kids around or as a person who is caretaking for another individual, as a person who has to work on the weekends, what, what does it look like? Go to Jesus and ask him, take his yoke upon you. Not because you're trying to follow a command, but because you're trying to follow him and you want life and life to the full. So Sabbath is, first of all, a perfect idea. And we are working it out in a very imperfect world. Secondly, Sabbath is a present from God. It's a present from God. It is a gift to us. In fact, if you have your Bibles, this first portion will not be on the screen. So open up to Mark chapter 2. I needed this strong table instead of a little podium because this Bible is ginormous. Mark chapter 2, starting at verse 23. It says this, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So here it is. Here's what, here's what the Pharisees are saying. This is not a problem. You're allowed, you're allowed to, to pull the food from the table and eat it on the Sabbath. No problem. You're even allowed to go through the work of chewing it and swallowing. Yes, we understand all of this is burning calories. But if you're walking through the grain field and you're hungry, you are not allowed to pull it from the plant itself. That's work. This is okay. This, not okay. It's, it's the box that I was talking about. And Jesus says this. We are going to skip verses 25 through 26. We're going to start at verse 27. Jesus said to them, my paraphrase for a moment, you got it all wrong. You got it backwards. Back to Jesus' words, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. See, what you think has to happen is that you have to create this box, and then you have to try and cram people into that box and stuff them in there, and it's uncomfortable, and they actually don't even fit and they don't like you anymore because of what you're doing. You're making them feel ashamed because they can't fit in this box. 
but you've got it all wrong. Man was not made for that box. Man was not made to honor the Sabbath. Man was not made as a gift to the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Sabbath was made so that mankind can delight, so that mankind can worship, rest, and stop. Look back on the work that was done the previous week and feel content and feel satisfied. You are making it into something that it's not. And you're harming my people. And then he went on to say this. The Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. What is Jesus saying here? I think part of what he's saying is this. You are making yourselves to be Lord of the Sabbath, of this box. But you need to understand something that you don't understand quite yet. Jesus is saying, I am. I am God. I was, I was there at the beginning. This whole Sabbath idea, it's my idea. I created it. I am Lord of the Sabbath. If you want to know what Sabbath looks like, why don't you consult me? And I think he's saying another thing. If you want to know what Sabbath looks like, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Come to the Lord of the Sabbath because he wants to give you a gift, the kind of gift that would make a child celebrate as if it was a snow day. The boss is looking at you. He's saying, I've been working hard for the last six days. I, I want you to take a day off just to rest and enjoy. It is a gift. And not just to tomorrow, today, whenever that day is, not just then. I want you to do it for the rest of your life. And what we begin to do is this from our boss. Well, I've got, a, I've got a lot of work that I have to do, boss. So, so we sneak our, our work computer home with us, sneak in a couple of texts and emails, maybe build a Word document or Excel document. On a day that was granted to us by our boss, as a day to be free. Our boss even told us, listen, you'll be better off for this. You'll actually be as productive, if not more productive, the other six days if you don't work on the seventh day. And yet we ignore our boss. And then our boss, I'm talking about a work boss right now, by the way. I don't know that I made that very clear. This is uh, it's an illustration. Our boss comes to us, and after years 
says, I, I notice, I notice you, you've been a little tired lately and your productivity has gone down. You just don't seem very restful anymore. I'm just kind of curious about what's going on. And, and you account and you say, yes, I, I've, I've been busy. I've been busy. I've been working hard. I've been, I've been striving to earn been striving to make this company productive. I have been striving to please you and to honor you. And the boss says, if you wanted to honor me, you would have honored me by trusting me, by taking the day off. You would have pleased me by not working, by stopping, resting, delighting, and worshiping. The boss might even look at you, and I'm, 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 I'm a little nervous about saying this. Do not, I am not placing a yoke on you. This is to be thought-provoking. The boss might even look at you and say, you call me boss. Clearly, I'm not your boss. You are enslaved to something else. You see, Slaves don't get days off. You are enslaved to something else, to the desires that are working deep within you. Desires for finite things. Desires for things that do not honor God. Desires to, to earn more, to produce more. Desires to strive for status, for power, whatever it is. Those are your boss right now. Sabbath was given as a gift present from God. So, Sabbath is a perfect idea. Sabbath is a present. Sabbath is an act of positioning. It's an act of positioning ourselves before God. That's the third thing. It's an act of positioning. John chapter 15, verse 5, it says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me, if you remain in me, this, this is the purpose of the disciplines. This is the purpose of prayer. It is, it is the purpose of being in the word, of communing with one another. It's the, perfect, the, the, the purpose of Sabbath is that we would position ourselves, that we would make a willful choice to put ourselves before God, to make ourselves attentive to him, to give him white space, margin in our schedule, and to open ourselves up to him. We are, we are positioning ourselves when we Sabbath, when we practice this 24-hour period once a week. 
remain in me. There's an author, Adele Calhoun, challenges this way. If you aren't resting, you are a slave to something. And then this quote by Cole Arthur Riley, rest is an act of defiance, the audacity to face the demands of this world and proclaim that we will not be owned. It is a purposeful declaration of freedom. It is a purposeful positioning of ourselves before God. This, this, is, this is a thing that we are responsible for. Have you ever had alignment issues with your car? You say, I don't know. I just take my car to the mechanic. They fix it. They take my credit card and I leave. I don't... If you have had an alignment issue with your car before, here are some of the symptoms your car may have been exhibiting. Symptom one, it wants to veer either to the right or to the left, and you're constantly fighting with it to pull it back to center. You experience that? Maybe there's a little bit of vibration in the steering wheel. You get up to about 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, 60. It gets worse and worse. It's vibrating. Something's going on here. So you think, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's the tires. Maybe it's the steering wheel. The steering wheel probably just needs to be tightened. It shouldn't be shaking like that. There's clearly something wrong. So you, you do examine the tires just because you're curious, and, and you notice that the tires are, uh, the, the, the tread is worn unevenly. And you think, ah, there's the problem. I need new tires because the tread is worn unevenly. The tires are causing a problem with the whole car. So you take it to the mechanic, and the technician tells you this. You, you don't have a tire problem. That's a symptom. You don't have a steering wheel problem. That, too, is a symptom. You have a structural issue. You have an issue with the suspension system. We're going to have to do some work deep down in the architecture uh, of your car to fix it. And that will, that will then align the car. It will realign the car so that it functions properly. This, this is the spiritual disciplines. This, this is us on Sabbath. It's, it's us taking ourselves to the shop. It is... It is our responsibility, a willful choice to take it to the shop. Listen, I am not good at taking the vehicle to the shop. I'm not good at taking the, the, the vehicle, if you will, to the doctor. I have family here that will testify to that. I'm not good at these kinds of things. <laughs> but Sabbath is taking ourselves to the technician. This is our practice here on earth, but Sabbath is something else as well. It's point number four. It is a product of his presence. Sabbath is a product of his presence. 
what do I mean by that? Am I just showing off because I already had a bunch of peas and here we are and I got, I fit two peas in here? Is that the point of this line? In part, yes. Thank you. Yes. I hope you are as impressed with me as I am with myself. Sabbath is, is, is not just something that we do. Sabbath is something that God does in us. <laughs> Remember that eternal thing I was talking about? Eternity past, eternity future, and where perfection was? Sabbath is God creating a Sabbath rest within us. Something that only he can do in his magnificence and his perfection. You see, we position ourselves before God, but we have no ability in and of ourselves to bring any kind of transformation into our own lives. This is the work of God. It is the fruit of his spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These aren't things you produce by yourself. This is the fruit of the Spirit, and we experience the fruit of the Spirit as we position ourselves for him to work. He's the technician. He's the mechanic. Rest, true rest within us is done by God and it's not meant to be experienced to one 24-hour period only in a week. The kind of work that God does in us, the kind of fruit that he produces it changes the other six days entirely. Because we're not supposed to work just to get to rest. We're supposed to rest so that we can work from rest. The right kinds of motivations for work and life will be supplied in Sabbath. Our restlessness will turn into rest and we will no longer have to restlessly strive. Sabbath rest can slowly become a way of being instead of just a practice. He wants you to find a lifestyle that positions you so the Holy Spirit can produce fruit in you all of the time. He wants to make you into being the kind of person that experiences life to the full, life abundantly. This is why he came. We bear fruit. We bear fruit by abiding and not by ambition. I want to ask, as you leave, as you go into this week, I want to ask you to do this. Spend some time with the Lord of the Sabbath. If you are not hungry for him, start there. Confess that. 
ask him to increase your faith. And if you find yourself already hungry, God, I want more of you. Ask him, Lord, what does Sabbath, the practice of Sabbath, look like for me? I want to experience you. I want to experience your presence, the produce of your presence in my life. I'd like to close with this poem that I heard, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks ago, and it's just kind of stuck with me. You may have seen this poem if you came to our Pursue Night maybe a month or so ago. It's a poem by Denise Levertov, and I think that it just sums up Sabbath rest so beautifully. It goes like this. There's me. As swimmers dare to lie face to the sky, and water bears them. As hawks rest upon air, and air sustains them, so would I learn to attain free fall and float into creator spirit's deep embrace, knowing no effort earns that all-surrounding grace. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would move in us and around us and for us. Lord, we ask that we would understand, begin to understand glimpses of your kingdom come on earth, of this all-surrounding grace that holds us. And Jesus, we ask that you would teach us that we wouldn't leave this moment, that we wouldn't leave this week without beginning to dig in and ask you, what does Sabbath look like? That we wouldn't leave this week without coming to you with the things that are causing us to be enslaved and asking you to once again set us free. Would you take our misplaced desires and place those desires on you and you alone? And as a result, would we experience rest instead of restlessness? Amen.